1: The Sharon Kleiner Hour. Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now here's your host, Sharon Kleina.
2: Well, I invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour. Power of Water. I'm Sharon Kleina. Have you ever heard of a show time in history that wanted to be called The Power of Water? And it's it's something that is so exciting to me personally to be able to have a show like this I, it's almost seven years old I'm inviting you to listen closely to the guests the guests have been outrageously unusual we've had almost 500 guests they could range from all over the world from different backgrounds from Nobel Prize winners to PhDs to the United Nations to being in Sweden with World Water Day in Holland Kenya all over this United States, uh, different backgrounds and different subjects, all pertaining to your life. And the life of our each person starts the moment you entered in the delivery room of your birth. You left a pocket of water and you entered in the air you're breathing. You began to dehydrate. You don't have water around you anymore. You're only, de- you're depending upon the humidity, the water and the humidity, and then your lifestyle and the water you're going to be drinking, fresh water. We're not talking about you drinking the ocean and salt water, saline water. That was meant for another purpose. Trust me, it dries too quickly. We're not barnacles. I'm talking fresh water. And as you know, on the earth we have 98%, 97% of our water is seawater, salt water. 3% is fresh water, but only 1% is available for all life on Earth to live with. Fresh water. Now, what is the key to health and disease and study to discover? We're dehydrating too quickly today. The moisture in the air is not as healthy as it used to be. We're not drinking the water we used to drink because now we have all these choices. Sugar waters, juices, all the uh, drinking too much coffee to dehydrate, and all these different choices of liquids. What we must learn to do is drinking fresh water with nothing in it. If you want to add a little lemon juice or something to it for flavor, but please drink water. But the other one that is so important is our politicians are not putting a priority. To protecting the fresh water for all generations in life to come, have you ever heard them talk about protecting water as a number one crisis, as the number one before the solar panels before the the wind, uh, pa- uh, 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 windmills, and I could go on and on and on, all these things. Water, water, water. Now, we had a guest on here from Singapore talking about how Singapore learned how to recycle their water. We must learn, and there could be a lot of jobs in that, learning how to discover what we can do with water. It's the priority. It's a priority. The Power of Water radio talk show is emphasizing how important it is that we forever put water number one And if you're going to talk to your politicians and anybody in a position that you elect, make sure they make the priority of water on earth is number one. We have 5,000 children dying a day without water. That is not to be excused. That is unexcusable. We're fighting wars all over the world with what we call a terroristic activities of people who don't care about our freedoms. But what about the child who's being terrorized because they don't have any water to drink and the mother having to watch that? What is a disease? Dehydration. So stop and think about how important this is. Make your priority of your drinking fresh water every day. I was reading in a health magazine, natural health magazine, and the priorities on the ma- in the magazine were so exciting because the indulgence of what you should indulge into for your better health should be H2O. It is so important to your eyes and to your brain and to your blood and your weight loss if you want to be, have a weight loss, lack of swelling in the abdomen. I could go on and on. And they say don't drink so much coffee. Drink, drink, drink green tea. It is not a dehydrator. Then also when you're sleeping, remember sleeping is a dehydrator if you go to bed eating food too soon to before going to bed. When you go to bed to sleep, that's Earth's way of when nighttime comes to rest, to relax and slow down the body and slow down that dehydration that causes you water loss and to regain to get your oxygen back, your energy back. Now, today we have two exciting guests. I have one on, coming on my first good guest, and I always like to have Fred on here. Fred Cushaman. He's a PhD. He comes from a family background of over 2,000 acres. They've been raising organic crops. But his subject is drought, fresh water depletion, and the climate change. Fred is very exciting to have on, and is he dedicated. Then we have, Fred comes from Iowa. We have Fred Schatz on today, and Fred is from Medford, Oregon. He's going to be discussing agriculture and anthropology and water and agriculture and what's happening in the poor countries. We're going to listen to our sponsor, though, first. Nature's tears, eye mist. Did you know that the surface of your eyes is 99% water? Did you know that? L- l- health education about eyes is so bad. I, I, c- I cannot believe how we're not ever getting education about the eyes. At the surface of your eyes, when that eyelid is open, it's dehydrating. Vision impairment is lack of water. Natural water at the surface of the eye. And vision impairment leads to dry eye. And dry eye leads to potential blindness. So learn more about your eyes. But Nature's Tears Eye Mist is that supplement to be able to provide a water supplement with just a mist. All natural, no preservatives, no chemicals to supply a, must, a mist. excuse me. Well, listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Fred
1: are listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Fred, are you with us? I'm here. Thank you for joining us again. I, I was really excited that my program producer, uh, Polly Featherton, could get you back on again.
3: Well, it's always a pleasure to spend time with you.
2: Well you know um, the, the subject is drought, fresh water depletion, and climate change. but can we talk about it too much uh, with what's going on? If, if the climate if they're not having a flood, you probably just heard in Minnesota they're having snow already. One day there's water skiing and the next day there's snow uh, they're on their snowboards. <laughs> And what are you finding, Fred? Uh, what is your, what do you, what is your, what have you been learning in research? What is happening out there for the world to understand uh, that there is a climate change? Has it been going on forever, and we just didn't take time to notice?
3: Well, it's, uh, you know, if you if you look at some of the research data, uh, there are a lot of different opinions, uh, especially out here in the in the in the central part of the United States uh and uh we still have a number of people that are not believers in climate change but i think that the uh, severe drought which we had this summer is at least beginning to change some of that uh but then you have uh a lot of people still who say well okay maybe climate change is real but but humans aren't responsible for it so and we got a long way to go to <laughs> you know to address that issue but um i think the other thing that is especially in relationship to water is uh that I think that, uh, and, and, and your program will probably help to correct that, but there are a lot of people who are not making the connections between the severity of our situation with, with regard to fresh water and agriculture and climate change because they're all very tightly related. Uh, you know, 70% of our fresh water on this planet are being used just for agricultural irrigation now. And one of the reasons that we're using so much water for agricultural irrigation is because we have created this food system which is highly specialized, uh, you know, 90% of the food in a typical uh, supermarket, processed food in a typical supermarket, comes from just four commodities, corn, wheat, soybeans, and rice. So that's what farmers have to grow, and many of those crops are, you know, very water hungry, like corn. Uh, and then you, uh, we, have, we have not paid attention to restoring the biological health of our soil, and so the soil no longer absorbs and retains as much rainwater as it once did, and so we so we simply need more and more water. And uh, as I say, we're drawing down our freshwater resources all across the planet, primarily because of agricultural irrigation. And we just can't continue to do that.
2: Now, you and I have talked about the, uh, what you have learned to do with your agriculture, is how you till the fields and what you till the fields with the compost. Uh, and you'll correct me, but I agree with you. Uh, I have been studying water for a long time, and not, not the soil like you have, but the waters. And I am just shocked that at this world out there, isn't it strange, Fred, while they complain and they complain and they complain, but they never do anything about it until it's almost too late
3: yeah well we sort of we you know we we've kind of developed this culture now, and it isn't just among farmers it's a it's a culture generally uh in our society that you know our natural resources are unlimited, so we don't have to worry about that, and the uh, sinks in nature are unlimited, so we don't have to worry about that and so we just think somebody's always going to come along with a new technology if if something uh starts to be in depletion or if... Uh, uh, some of the sinks are nat- saturated, then somebody will come up with a new technology to fix it. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a culture that we have to overcome because, uh, you know, we, uh, we all live. we By we, I mean not just we humans, but everybody in the biotic community uh, lives within the context of nature. And so we have to begin to learn to live within the limits uh, that, uh, that nature provides us with. And, uh, and water is simply one of those. And so, uh, and, and I'm, of course, as you know, primarily interested in agriculture. And, you know, there's a lot of data now that, for example, uh, we now know that if soil has uh, 1% organic matter, and organic matter is only one measure of a healthy soil, if it has 1% organic matter, it has the capacity to absorb uh, about 33 pounds of water per cubic yard. If you have 5% organic matter, it's 195 pounds. So by restoring the, bio- and, and of course you can't get all soil from 1% organic matter to 5% organic, because it depends on what you start with, but you can improve uh, the organic matter of all soil. Uh, so we could dramatically reduce our irrigation requirements uh, simply by doing that. Uh, and I, c- I can give you an example of a farmer here in Iowa, his name is Dick Thompson, who has, uh, you know, been using the... You know the you know these, these these this is not new news, I mean Sir Albert Howard reminded us back in the nineteen forties uh, that we had to in agriculture had to use what he called the law of return, and that is you return all of the waste to the soil because that's what the soil uh gets restored with and um, and and Dick Thompson spent farming that way here in Iowa for, for twenty five years now and he's in Boone County, which has some of the best soil in Iowa. And the average organic matter in Boone County now is 2.2 percent. The average uh, organic matter in Dick Thompson's soil is 6.7 percent.
2: Simply hmm. because
3: of the way he's managed Amazing.
2: it. Amazing. So and Dick, what is he doing?
3: Dick. Well, Dick. Interestingly enough, uh, I'm glad you asked that because uh, uh, he was asked by a journalist here a few weeks ago. You know how he did, and he said, "Well, he said I did okay." And and then along the way he said that he didn't have crop insurance because he didn't need it. <laughs> and uh, it was, you know, it sort of caught everybody by surprise. Yeah. You know? <laughs> because, you know, he, what he's saying really is that he has so restored, you know, the natural gifts of, of, of the earth that he doesn't need, um, you know, crop insurance. Uh, he comes through. And, 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 and the other thing is, you know. Uh, just
2: de- a second. I'm going to back you up. I like what you just said, the natural gifts. Of the Earth, you know, Fred. That's what this is all about, and it can become the most exciting way to get up out of bed and live that way. Um, That when you look out at the planet Earth with your, just you can close your eyes. And when you said it's not only the humans, but it's the it's it's everything there is. It's the birds, the bees, why all the wildlife, the trees, the grass, the soil is a living life. Yeah. And people don't realize that, and and I get I get more disturbed and concerned that we're we're so into this word called politics, yeah. and we're and, and and it just is absolutely the politicians are not experts at nothing, <laughs> and the thing that you elect them to the post to represent the people to make our planet Earth safe and longevity long term planning. Yeah. And they they don't put water number 1. It's it's the solar system, it's the wind the the windmills, it's whatever out there they want to come up with. That's just absolutely ridiculous when water can make a lot of jobs too if they go in and make a priority. It's like Fred I had on here recently um a gentleman from Singapore. And, you know, Singapore has learned how to recycle their water. Yeah. And they had a contract, two contracts, with Malaysia because they had to get for so many years water piped in from Malaysia. And they were getting concerned through the years that there may not be enough water or it might become more than they could afford to pipe it in. They just recently canceled one, two contracts. They only had two. They don't need them anymore. Yes. Yeah because they learned how to recycle. Fred, can you imagine our, our uh, country, as brilliant as America is, learning how to recycle water, and uh, no different than any other occupation and, and, and research, and what can be done with recycled water for jobs and new inventions and new ideas to keep the water that comes down and the water that's used to breathe, keep using that fresh water. And like you said, they don't think about it. But look at the soil. This gentleman learned how to till his soil. Now, you taught me that a lot, and our listeners, when I first talked to you the first time, it's how you till it with the season and what you put in it to till it to change the temperature and keep that fertility. And I said pulling moisture out of the air and using that moisture in the air as much as you're using the irrigation water. Now, didn't you say you don't, you don't have to use very much irrigation water?
3: Well, in, on our farm in North Dakota, we can't because there isn't any irrigation okay, water available. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, just have yeah. to, we have to deal with whatever Mother Nature provides us in rainfall. So, but uh, but you're you, you know you're right, and I, in, uh, you know and I think I think recycling, learning how to recycle our water is is a really important thing. I think we also have to recognize, however, that recycling also takes energy to do that. And so, you know, again, this is where you know all of these things are interconnected, and our energy costs. You know, we're also using up you know our cheap energy and so we're gonna have to learn to live with uh, you know a lot less energy input and and we have to begin to learn instead of having you know uh, concentrated energy which is which is still sunlight that's got concentrated in the form of oil and coal and natural gas and we're depleting that now so we're gonna have to learn to live on sunlight energy again Uh, but we also have to so in addition to recycling our water we also have to learn how to use a lot less water and you know we're right now you know there was an article in Harper's magazine uh, here a couple of months ago called uh, the broken heartland and uh, i think as we all know we've been drawing down uh, water in the Ogallala aquifer which is the primary source of irrigation water for all of the central united states we've been drawing that down by half since 1960
2: i read that too mm-hmm.
3: yeah but i didn't realize that this article in harper's pointed out that even now we're still drawing down at the rate of 6 to 8 feet a year Mm-hmm. And they're projecting that twenty years from now there simply will no longer be water available for irrigation,
4: mm-hmm. so
3: the whole central part of the United States nebraska kansas oklahoma texas uh, will essentially be without irrigation water that they've had all this time mm-hmm. so you know we simply have to learn uh that you know you know, and, and you know, you, t- you talked about this a little bit earlier but the you know but but the you know the the rest of the biotic community and uh you know, I think the cultural shift which we have to make, and Aldo Leopold tried to help us understand that already. You know, again, back in the 1940s, when he, uh, one of one of my favorite uh, quotes from him is that uh, we have to learn that we are not the conquerors of the of the what he called the land community, by which he meant the whole biotic community. We are not the conquerors of the biotic community. We're simply plain members and citizens. <laughs> and so. You know, we have to recognize that we're a part of this rich living biology that we're a part of, and uh, and 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 we have to share uh, the the gifts of nature uh, so that it's all healthy. Because if it's not all healthy, then we can't be healthy.
2: And well, what do you think, uh, that. Fred? Th- all the diseases that are out of control. Yeah. Now, modern medicine is trying to be so brilliant, and I'm in the medical field with what I do too, and. And uh, these, these people are out there giving their everyday lives and money to what, what can we do to uh, uh, solve that problem? And and people dying because of these diseases that are not in control at all. All they're doing is putting a, a bandaid on when they did, uh, diagnose something is a terminal disease or whatever disease it is. And it's out of control. Children are being born, and all of a sudden they have vision impairment. Children are being born, and here come all these diseases.
3: Yeah. And
2: yeah. it's because we're not thinking about what's longevity with a good yeah. plan of yeah. the Earth altogether. Yeah. Uh, Fred, the other side uh, of this is when we've had Dr. Dwayne Cecil on. and <coughs> Dwayne has been with NASA NOAA, and his background, is PhD, has studied the uh, the whole system and i said to him one time i said you know uh, duane i said stop and think about this one and fred (coughs) excuse me this is something i bring up ever so often here on the planet earth we had something happen that was a magic something we have the water but can you imagine what that's doing to affect and influence the rest of the solar system and the solar system to influence us, too. Yeah. So the water is not only for keeping us alive and healthy and, and having the planet Earth provide its food and, and what we're trying to do to live, but can you imagine if something would click again and we didn't have the right amount of water, right amount of moisture, because we have to be affecting the whole solar system every single second of the day. Yeah, and that well, fresh water on the surface of the earth, I have studied enough. I believe that it's possible that with more research, that that water, that fresh water, was a magic to something that brought it all together. It brought life to this earth, and it yeah. began its its uh, plan. And it's just like you said: we're not the conquerors; nature is the conqueror.
3: Yeah.
2: But now back to uh, I'm just going to ask you something today. We've been studying a lot about nutrition and and food. And have you studied very much in your past about the beginning of time and the nutrition and how they grew it? What what was it, what did they know about besides just instincts of of nourishing with the bark and maybe a blade of grass? What have you done any study about the origin uh, history of food?
3: Well yeah again it's uh, uh you know the 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 the, the thing that we, I think we we often uh, forget about is that we you know we tend to think about uh whether it's food or water or whatever it's simply a resource that we can extract from wherever and then uh you know use it in whatever way we want and then go on to something else and um you know nutrition like water is uh absolutely dependent on soil Uh, And if you don't have healthy, nutritious soil, then you're not going to have healthy, nutritious food unless you inject that soil with all of the different kinds of nutrients that you want in your food. And you can do that as long as you have the cheap energy to do that, as long as you have the mineral resources to do that. Uh, But again, we're using up these resources, you know, the minerals. You know, There are only four countries that still have rock phosphate reserves and only four countries that still have potash reserves. And by some projections, in another 20 to 30 years, we'll have depleted them all. So, so you know, we ultimately we get back to how do we maintain the nutrient health of the soil. And again, you know, Sir Albert Howard, back in the 1940s, uh, wrote a book called The Soil and Health. And he pointed out that you can't have healthy humans unless you have healthy soil to produce healthy plants and healthy animals. Now, this simply makes common sense, doesn't it?
2: I love uh, the word common sense.
3: <laughs> now, no one, to, to my knowledge, has done any peer-reviewed research to either uh, prove or disprove uh, Sir Albert Howard's contention. His his observation was made based on simply, you know, his his uh, his working with and observing uh, food and health and nature. Um, although the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health currently is uh, looking into to uh, collecting some of that research and uh on the, on the and they're assuming that Sir Robert Howard was in fact correct, and Sir Robert Howard said in his book already in the nineteen forties uh that restoring the biological health of our soil was going to become the health care system of the future oh my God, and, and huh, so what a vision it, <laughs> so uh yeah. you, you know it's uh it, and 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 the other thing that's interesting that you bring up you know uh food and health because uh, I, I happen to be privileged to be part of a uh, think tank uh, made up of both healthcare professionals and agriculturalists, and uh, we've been meeting for the last 25 years, and uh, we get together uh, uh, every other year for several days, and then continue to have communication by email. And it's been just fascinating for me because when it, when you finally look at the issues that we're dealing with at base. The problem is in agriculture and health is the same problem. You know, we're trying to approach the problem, trying to fix problems as they emerge. So, fixing the problem of not enough water, fixing the problem of, of uh, you know, not enough nutrients, uh, and in healthcare it's the same way. We wait until people get sick and then come up with technology to fix it, rather than asking how do we create and manage systems. That we don't end up with these problems to begin with, or at least dramatically reduce those problems to begin with being
2: proactive
3: yeah yeah. It's, we, it, it's, we have
2: yeah. to become much more proactive, yeah. and the challenges that everybody runs into, like you probably did so far back when your family decided to do what you did with your uh, agriculture, and the way you went about it, was such an unbelievable genius uh, directions to go. How, how, how did people really listen? And it's like your gentleman you're talking about there in Iowa. What is he doing that is not really a secret? He's using some common sense, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we've yeah. got to get back to getting away from the complexity is making it so complicated. with What will make life yeah. because, uh, sure. have life for eternity? One of the scientists I had on here, Fred, said, Sharon, the word eternity may not be there. Yeah. Well, I, I would,
3: I would argue that it's not a, a matter of complexity versus simplicity because, um, you know, the systems, na- nature systems are quite complex as well. In fact, they're probably more complex than the ones that we create. The real difference, though, is the difference between, uh, technological innovations, and, and I'm not opposed to that. I think technological innovations are important. No. But if that's the only thing that we do, it runs us into trouble. And what we need to do is to start putting more of our, uh, great brains involved in natural systems management. Exactly. Because, because nature already provides a lot of the things that we need. It's just that we're not paying attention and learning how to live with those and becoming a part of them.
2: Listening to the rhythm of Earth. You know, if, if, uh, Fred, I don't know about your personality and your energy and and my listeners out there, but we've got to slow down. We've got to start listening yeah. to the Earth itself. Uh, not to, to, well, what the radio is saying, and not what uh, your friends are saying, and your voice box in your head, but what are you hearing out there with the, the with, earth, with listening to the Earth's rhythm? And it's kind of like our forefathers, so far back, the natives of our of our Earth, the beginning people, they had to listen. They they couldn't instinctively do what they did uh... to uh, move on on earth to do what they did to take us where we're at today if they weren't listening but today we think we know it all and that's the sad part about what's happening to these diseases that's what's happening to the depletion of water we don't know enough it is impossible earth is changing every single second of the day and you know fred correct me if i'm wrong but climate change has been going on since the moment earth began Yeah. It takes its cycle, it takes its moments, it takes its rhythms and and man man can just sit still and do nothing it 's still going to have it 's going to make its own decisions, but uh, we only have a few moments left uh, when you 've been studying uh, the uh, what 's happening with the drought and individuals and 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 the waters out there, what are you finding out? uh is there an where where do we go on the web and learn uh to get some more information about what is happening and maybe something something uh, something our own listeners can do to participate is there areas to go on the internet
3: well there you know there the, the good news is that there are a number of people that are really looking at this very carefully uh you know you have people like Cynthia Rosenzweig for example who's done some brilliant work and of climate change as it relates to agriculture and uh uh and so i think that uh you know the, the, in in terms of the the knowledge base that we need uh that's really developing and, and and evolving i think the bigger problem is the cultural one and i you know if you think about this we've been I mean, this culture of domination and 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 being the conqueror of the earth is one that's been that's been developing over at least three or four centuries. You know, Rene Descartes on the, in the back in back in the in the 17th century said that we had to become the masters and possessors of nature, and that's the track that we've been on. And what we have to do is learn that we are simply partners in nature, and that we are that we have to develop this partnership rather than uh, and get over the domination notion and then learn from nature, and, 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 and water is simply a part of that, and then I think we'll uh, we'll be on the right track.
2: I think if everybody would make a, a hobby with the water and enjoy the water and then looking at the value of the water and let them almost hypnotize with the water, that all of a sudden they'd find out if you don't have a plan on Earth altogether participating to protect the water, you, you, it, there is no such thing. Earth will have to say goodbye. Because the whole solar system, as far as I'm concerned, is affected. And all it would take is something wouldn't go right because we didn't plan out the water. And, you're, and we're back to the soil, the living soil. And then life on Earth has to be nourished. That's yeah. called nutrition. Yeah. And, uh, you're, uh, right. Um, the gentleman, before I let you go, what, what did he do to his soil there in Iowa to make his soil? What, how does he, how does he kill that?
3: Well, basically what he did was to uh, use Sir Albert Howard's uh, uh, instructions of uh, the law of return. And so, you know, he returns all of the waste material, not only from his farm, but even invites waste materials from people in his community. And he composts that all and puts it back into the soil. But then the other thing that's critical is that he doesn't just do corn and soybeans. He raises some corn and soybeans, but his basic rotation is three years of perennial grass in which he raises animals. And then corn and beans, and then back to three years of perennial grass. Okay. And those perennial root systems—they also store and and, pre- and preserve water in the soil.
2: Oh my and God! So, so it's oh just my, little, I'm glad yeah. I asked because I was going to yeah. ask you yeah. at the at that at the moment when you mentioned it. And I, isn't that fascinating? And you know, we all should be living our personal lives just thinking that way every day to be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. How to live our lives to slow down the dehydration, hydrate, and well, I want to thank you for joining us today.
3: Well, it's my pleasure, and I also want to say, too, that you're, 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 the point that you made about uh, being able to experience the pleasure of nature more is so important, and we have to have to uh, experience that again.
2: Good. Thank you for that last moment of thought. You have a nice day, and tell your family I said hello.
3: I will do that. Thank you.
2: You have a nice day. Great. Bye. Bye. I told you that Dr. Fred Kirschman, uh, he's a PhD. He's. Can you imagine what you just heard again today? I often t- times will say, "Wow," and that's one of my wows. I enjoyed every single moment. It brought tears to my eyes because that's what it's all about for you to enjoy the planet, enjoy your nature, who you are, and what you want to be, and add to that every day. But don't forget, the water is your priority of all living on Earth. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only method of moisturizing the eye with just a mist. We'll we'll uh, listen to our sponsor, and we'll be back with Fred Schentz.
0: Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you.
1: The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon at Yahoo.com. Now back to the program.
2: Brad, are you with us?
1: Yes, sir.
2: Uh, thank you for joining us today, and I want to thank Polly Featherton for introducing us to you and what you do, and you're an agriculturist and anthropologist.
4: Yes, sir. Huh?
2: And you're, tell us about your background. Who? What have you been doing?
4: Well, after I got out of college, I joined the Peace Corps and wanted to go overseas and do my bit for world peace and pretty idealistic. It's spent a couple of years in Kenya, East Africa, in agriculture and some in irrigation, and came back to graduate school and decided I got married, decided to go back overseas. We did. Uh, we wanted to work in poor countries and um, try to do what we could to um, uh, work with uh, people you know, a lot less fortunate than ourselves, and we wanted to travel also. But uh, the main interest was to uh, examine the agricultural and, of course, the irrigation parts of uh, different countries to see how they worked and what their main problems were, and see if there were some things we could do to help uh, with those problems. So I spent, uh, well, we spent over twenty-two years in foreign countries, uh, traveled all over, and then came back. Oh, about oh, 15 years ago, and I worked ten years in the states, and then on an irrigation project as well uh, in in the field. So we now, had,
2: of course, water, 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 right?
4: <laughs> uh, most of it was water. What well, was agriculture? Some forestry, some mechanization, but water is always the subject. Certainly, of
2: course, it's the priority. Now, what countries did you go to?
4: Well, uh, quite a few, actually. Uh, we kind of started out, in Kenya was, the, of course, the first country I went to, and um, then went to Indonesia, um, Brazil, Egypt, Pakistan, Nepal, Bangladesh. Um, those were the main countries that I worked in.
2: Now in Pakistan, um, I've been told by some of our guests in the past that they've had water wars going on for many, 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 many years that a lot of their territorial problems were over water to start with, and then they started these tribal, pro- uh, we'll call them wars, conflicts. It really began with water. Uh, did you notice that?
4: Yes. I, um, it used to, years ago, people used to talk about black gold, how oil was really the uh, valuable resource, but, of course, more recently, uh, if not for... Quite a period of time. Water has been, I call it, the wet gold, because uh, wow. right now the world population and the water supply are about matched. And as the population grows, I'm a populationist myself. I think most of the problems in the world are caused because of overpopulation, and politicians are not willing to take on that particular problem. Uh, China tried, and it kind of was a mess, actually, with the result from it, but. Um, Water certainly is a a key part in the condition.
2: Our population, I have it in front of me, grew last week 44,192 people, new people growth in the United States of America, but in the world it grew last week by 1,475,884 people living on the planet Earth. The total amount of people living on the planet Earth today, as of this week is seven billion four hundred and forty four million three hundred and sixty seven thousand two hundred and fifty five people so but what is your thinking um, now i'm you know i don't know if you heard our former show the guest, but the politicians are so wrapped up in uh, things that we didn't put them there to do. Uh, we put them there i believe to to Run uh, the safety of our country and 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 build the uh, build the the responsibility that everybody is responsible to uh, all of our lives on the planet earth and not just in each country, but they're not taking serious uh, their role they're getting in control of us. so are you thinking that they should control the population how would you how would you think that way
4: Well just going to, you know, foreign countries is quite an experience of, for people that have traveled. If you go to a place like Nepal, you uh, I spent a year there as well um, in an irrigation project. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that most of the mountains have been stripped completely bare from uh, wood and resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in several other countries, of course, dying from schistosomiasis, which is a, a kind of a worm that's in fresh water. Anyone that travels overseas should stay out of any kind of fresh water, especially the rivers um Egyptian people in particular die in their 50s primarily because of cystosomiasis and hepatitis. You know, just the general hygiene in foreign countries, as many people know, uh, is really a, a serious problem. And to deal with those, of course, the politicians, most of them give a lot of lip service to it, but it comes down to the thing that affects everyone, every place, and that's funding. If there was more funding, there would be better uh, health services, better doctors. Uh, my wife asked a doctor, and, a doctor in Indonesia, why Indonesians had so many children. And they said, uh, the doctor said that if uh, the moment that the medical profession in Indonesia could guarantee or at least assure a mother that you know half of her children wouldn't die before they're five, people would have less children. So the problem is very complicated. And of course, again, all related to uh, water resources because of. In that country, people, well, many of them, if not most, live along waterways that have a number of diseases. And the water treatment plants, i wanted to mention that, in most countries um, uh, have water treatment plants, but they only go through uh, the first and second treatment of water. So many people, even in their houses, are drinking a second treatment of water. The water isn't really clean until it goes through a third stage of treatment. So to make it completely safe, um, they just, again, the funding to build the proper plants and to have people that would maintain those plants well enough so the water would be clean on the other end. And then the distribution of the water, pipes leak, you know, and sewage gets into the water system. And people, in you know, education, of course, is one of the main answers to the problem and to teach people to boil water for 15 minutes, that kills most everything, although they're some amoebas that won't take care of.
2: Lazy about boiling it. You know, uh, you hit on some things that we had not heard of before on this show about what is happening in the fresh water in some of these countries. Uh, Fred, do you believe that some of these conflicts that are going on, these uh, tribal wars, village wars, community problems that are having, that are just uh, um, out of control, could be also the lack of security of the country they're living in, based on the, geogra- uh, the geography.
4: Yes, it's it's actually a very good point. One of the main uh, examples of water wars uh, can be seen on the West Bank in uh, uh, in Israel. We traveled through that area uh, when we were in Egypt and uh, that part of the world. To to go up the West Bank and see River Jordan, you know, you can pretty well understand just from looking at it. Uh, why so many wars and such conflict in that area of the world has gone on for centuries? That's the source of fresh water. Uh, although there are large aquifers below a lot of uh, you know below the deserts and stuff that they're drilling for in some areas, and they're installing some desolidization plants of, uh, on the shores of uh, Saudi Arabia and other places. It's still that you know basic water source that, that people have to have, obviously, to live. And in the dry, arid areas, uh, there's not much of it. So, of course, people fight over it. Um, Many people in uh, several parts of the world, farmers, of course, uh, fight over water all the time. The people at the top end of an irrigation system have all the water they want because they're near the river. But by the time the water runs down the canals to the end users, as they call them, not much water and sometimes no water gets to the end users. A lot of people die every year over water wars on the you know ground level because they don't cooperate on who gets the most water. The richer guy with more guns you know, and more power, of course, is the one who gets more water. Um, there are a number of things that have gone on in the past and still are going on that have been tried to uh, work with this problem. The Formation of Water Users Association is one of the main efforts that uh US is a foreign aid program initiated in a number of countries in the 80s uh was quite involved with a number of that uh quite a bit of that effort but they sent over a number of experts uh Colorado state probably being the lead group that uh formed water users associations went out and talked to different groups of farmers about the benefits of sharing water uh, how to you know uh, use water and, of course, how to uh, treat it so it wouldn't affect you. But more importantly, to uh, try to get a more equitable distribution of water so people would stop the conflicts. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, You know, this is something that a lot of people, Fred, and you and I are tapping into it right now, and we've tapped into it a little bit, and they passed with this show. The power of water, to have a radio talk show, uh, many years ago, Fred, about seven years ago was when I started this show, and somebody said if I wanted a radio talk show, and I said only if I could call it the power of water. Fred, stop and think. Our planet Earth is such a special place. And uh, Fred, if, yeah, my uh, other um, guest that I had today, I've had Frederick Kirschman. He's a Ph.D. on um, a few times before. He's unbelievable. In fact, try to listen to that show when it comes on. Uh, it 'll be on this afternoon on um, at World Talk Radio, but uh, when you stop and think about the water and our our the common sense of what nature provided us and some of the things he said today about we should not be conquering the earth, we should be living with the earth. You go into those middle middle East countries, and today it 's really on our minds as you can see it 's not what they expected it to be they 're all upset they 're angry. They're blaming, but they people in our world, in our country and other parts of the world don't realize for so many centuries, they've been fighting over water. And sure, they, some of the countries have a very wealth of oil, but the water is more important to them than the oil. And I remember we had on our show some uh, um, editor from one of the National Geographic's and People and they said they were out in the story and they were drilling into the sand and all of a sudden everybody started screaming and yelling and so excited and, and they were, for oil. And they were going to do a story on where they got it and all that. All of a sudden here comes all this water for it. And he says why are they so excited? It's water, it isn't oil. They said, that is so exciting. And then after they studied it, they, they could see they had about 200 years of water there. Um, Fred, that's what this planet is all about. It's not, not agreeing with what we all need. It's ag- getting together and all of our politicians that think they're so smart about what they're trying to do for us prioritize health and safety and, and what is important to protect our, our earth. Not over protect right in the, in the ecosystem in the middle. And these people don't realize that these, quote, quote, we're fighting these terroristic attitudes, terroristic fears of people that are terrified. They're terrified of their lives where they're living. They're terrified. And we think that they're terrified of what? Of of uh, of other people's lifestyles? They're terrified. They're not going to survive. They're in the sand.
4: Well, I think your approach to, you know, water is power, is certainly, or the power of water either way is certainly a, a, a very good way of putting it. I wanted to mention, I'm part Native American and was raised oh. in North California in the woods, and to talk to uh-huh. me or people like me about, you know, water and the resources and caring for it, well, you know, of course, the, the Native American way of, of the of caring for the earth and the resources is, is really what the culture is all about, and it's, and all but stomped out, of course, in so many uh, areas—not just in the states, but native peoples in other countries that have lived with and you know with the resources and cared for them and understood that their resources were to be shared. You know, and and if you care for them and share them, it not only brings about you know better health for everyone, but obviously it cares for the earth, which is really what it's all about. If it's not healthy, uh, nothing is healthy, and that's kind of the condition I'm afraid that we're here in. One famous uh, Indian chief, Tecumseh, uh, uh responded to someone uh, telling him that, uh, you know, they were sowing the land and that people would soon own it, and he was, you know, just for days, he, he just was ranting and raving. He said, how can you own water? I mean, how can you own land? How can you own water? How can you own the air? You know, these are things that are given to us by this great spirit, and things that be shared. You know, when people take ownership of things that are in nature, uh, it becomes a, a, an insurmountable problem because the, the greedy, the politicians, you know, the, the forces that come in to um, disrupt uh, a natural order of things, make the situation as it is now. People would just cooperate and compromise, and that word we. Kind of lost in our own political system now, uh, which is an awful shame. Uh, it comes back to—I and I hate to use the word again—but greed seems to be.
2: No, it uh, is. It, it's you know, in the old world, there was. Uh, do you remember? I'm a lot. I'm probably a lot older than you. I'm seventy. Uh, do you remember in the old days, prior to my age, even way back? When a person needed a barn, the community got together and built a barn. Did they Did they turn to the person and say, "Well, your barn is better than my barn?" They needed a barn. People gathered together to help each other, and that's what made our country as great as it is because uh, and it, 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 we did it together, and uh, it is together, and it's like your uh, your culture and your native. American culture is that they did it together to help each other with the spirit of the love as a planet earth and what is the nature of that love and that faith and that god so you they took that to the faith and they believed in it so convicted such a mission of what that is and what you just said could have written a song to me Because that's what this is all about. That's why I wanted a show called The Power of Water. Do you know, Fred, one of the worst weapons of mass destruction that has ever happened on our Earth was when Saddam Hussein took away the water. He was mad at his tribes. at when the Russians left, that they had sided in with the Russians. And he went in there and started bulldozing all the canals of water, to where there was no more water, and they could just die. Their animals, their families, their generations. And it worked. Nobody went running in there to uh, to uh, fight for their water. So you're right. Um, but now I'm going to ask you, you're an anthropologist, tell me about what you know about, in the last couple of minutes we have, the history of food. You know, food, we have water, but we have forever been eating something. When you, when you were studying anthropology, what did you learn about the history so far back about what they were doing for food?
4: Well, that, that anthropology was actually my first profession before I decided to become an agriculturalist. Actually, I was raised on a farm, but I taught anthropology for a long, couple of colleges, and um, that's when my wife and I decided to go overseas and go into agriculture. Um, the there's a very interesting concept, obviously, in agriculture and one that concerns the entire world now. Uh, there are two different groups that have been around for some time, the technologists and the doomsdayers. The technologists say, hey, whatever, you know, is wrong, we can fix it with technology. And Borlaug uh, proved that in a way with uh, developing new strain of, of grain, of rice primarily, um, that uh, turn the world around like you know increasing by many times the production of wheat on the or rice on the same uh, amount of ground that um, um, uh, the doomsayers are saying that you know year 2020 is a, a key year they've been saying that for some time it's when food supply population water supply and all that comes to the same line if you will uh, there's not enough of those resources uh, in the that, can, that time period to match the number of people that are going to exist <clears throat> in another 20 years. Okay. So um, you know, to look at food, again, uh, technology is trying to find ways to increase production. Just so far you can go with that, but whatever uh, advances are made in food production, of course, or water supply discoveries from the aquifers down below the earth uh, that they pump a lot up now in those arid areas, as long as there's, there's this tremendous jump in population, which increases, Uh, the problem will get more serious rather than some solution coming forward.
2: uh, We're out of time, but I'd like to have you on again, and maybe you and I could uh, pre-plan something there on the food cycle and what has been happening there, because I'm sure there's no one. By the way, I want to tell you before we go today, I have had our show in Kenya. We went to the Mara River to a scientist who had been working with studies on um, what is happening to the drought there. But, Fred, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for what you have been doing uh, with your dedication to understanding our, uh, the agriculture and what we need to do with water. Thank you for joining us today, Fred.
4: Thank you very much. I appreciate being on. I'd like to look at a couple of different countries' specific problems, which, which may help as well. But thank Okay, you we'll, d-
2: we'll do it again. Thank, thank, you. thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. You have a nice day.
4: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
2: What a day. I say, wow, again, Fred taught us a lot to think about. And don't forget, don't ever take for granted what these people are saying as our guests. They're all committed. They're all on a mission, and it's all for all of us. Embrace your life every precious moment. And somebody else's, like our guests are doing that we were talking to today, that when you're embracing somebody else's life, you're knowing that the nature of our earth is, is more important than the technology of all inventions that there was something today that was said to by Frederick Kirschman that there was an author of a book that says we cannot conquer the earth let the earth work we will work with the earth's nature and that's something to look about at yourself look at the nature of who you are believe in that and then take some time and listen turn off the radio no music no earphones, no nothing, and just listen real closely. Because Earth is whispering something. Earth is saying, don't say goodbye. You're part of it, and you'll always be here. You're that important, and you want to leave something behind. I want to thank you for listening, and I want to thank Polly Featherton, and I also want to thank my secretary, Bonnie Mark, for helping to make all of this possible for me to, able to have this show and have these guests. Thank you for being with us today. You have a nice day, and you be well.
1: Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinerHour.com.